Hi guys and welcome to It's All A Bit Mad with Tash. Today we're going to talk about all things quarantining in China, uh, especially Dalian. And today I have with me Tracy from Pretoria, South Africa. Hey guys, what's up? And we have Jenna from Northern Ireland. Hey everyone! Okay, so I know the whole world is going a bit nuts right now, right? Um, yeah. With everyone quarantining and socially distancing. Um, so I thought it would be kind of cool for us to talk about how it's been for us here in China since it all kind of started here okay. but obviously I've been here in China pretty much the whole time and you guys have been outside so we'll get into that as well how you guys managed to get back in and how that all went down cool okay so um, I'll start off with when I kind of noticed when I heard about the whole virus in Wuhan right so um it was like maybe 10 days, January 10th, I bought a ticket to go to Shanghai with my friend because um, his friends were coming down from Ireland to visit him in Shanghai. So I bought my ticket to go there and on January 10th and then like a few days before my school closed down for Chinese New Year, that was like January 24th when they closed down. Anyway, a few days before that, my Chinese teacher was like, Natasha, what are you going to do for Chinese New Year? And I was like, I'm going to go to Shanghai and then we're planning to go to Hangzhou. And she freaked the fuck out. She was like, no, 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 don't go there. There's there's a virus happening. And I'm like, oh, relax, it's Shanghai. This thing is in like Wuhan. At that time, I think no one really thought it yeah, was. Yeah, everyone kind of thought it was just like stuck in one area that it was being kind of kept in one area and it wasn't like moving around at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're all like, I'm 26 29 34 did you experience did you have like any kind of like conscious experience of any other epidemics before no not at all i'd heard about bird flu a few years ago but you always just think oh it's in asia when you're in the uk you know it doesn't really affect you that much yeah so i feel like this one the way it's kind of like progressed has been a bit crazy for us definitely um so yeah, when I when my Chinese teacher was kind of warning me and telling me no stay in Dalian, I was like, look, I've paid a lot, I've paid money for hotels and the flights to get to these places, and I was told her I'm just gonna wear a mask, I'll be fine, whatever. So the day comes to go to Shanghai, I go to Shanghai and I see that obviously I was wearing a mask and I was like sanitizing everything I was sitting on to put <laughs> my arm on, yeah. and um, I get there and. I remember like the whole time so we're meant to spend like maybe three days in Shanghai and we went out to restaurants a lot of them were closed and because of Chinese New Year so I didn't think the virus thing was a huge thing but then I had this one friend from Canada and she lived in Shanghai and she was texting me like Tash what are you doing you should like go back home da, da, da. I'm gonna fly up back to Canada my parents told me to go back to Canada blah 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 um, so I was like, dude, it's fine. It's not that. It's not that big a deal. I'm wearing a mask. It's all good. Um, and then the next day, we had tried to go see like the tourist site. Like there's one place, like an observation deck, where you can see the whole of Shanghai, or whatever. Um, so we tried to go there, and it was raining. It was shit. Um, and then the place was closed. And that's when we kind of realized that because they closed down because of the virus thing, we were like, oh shit. Mm. Okay, this is getting real. We like thought, were there signs and stuff saying yeah. that it was closed because of the virus? Yeah, yeah. Oh sure, really? That's then. insane. Yeah, there was a sign and we were like, oh fuck, like this shit is actually real. And I remember telling my friend like, yo, we should go back to Dalian because we don't know what's going to happen, like whatever. We shouldn't go to Hangzhou because Hangzhou is 
even like a little bit more closer i think to yeah. like that side or whatever yeah. and he was like oh no it's fine we'll be fine we'll just wear a mask and blah 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 and then the day came the 26th of january to go to hangzhou we went to the railway station uh, it was about like 10 minutes before the uh, train was supposed to leave and i was like mm, we should check with the uh, attendants to make sure the f- train is still gonna leave and he was like all right fine so he went spoke to them they were like oh it's gonna leave in five minutes and then literally a few minutes later he gets a call from trip.com like the travel site whatever and they're like oh your booking for the hotel has been cancelled has been cancelled because the hotel has been shut down by the government because you know they're not allowed to take anyone in because of this virus we were like oh shit and then next thing we find out oh your train's been cancelled so we're like fuck this shit is getting like crazy Mm -hmm. um so we didn't so at that point we started trying to figure out what we're going to do because his friends came from Ireland to come visit him and they're still going to be here for like another few days. Do we stay here or do we run off to Dalian? Because you don't know. We weren't sure if Shanghai was also going to shut down or Dalian was going to shut down and stop things from moving. Mm. So we had to, we decided, oh, you know what? We're going to just go back um, to Dalian. We started looking at flights, getting refunds and the, the stuff that we spent money on. Um, so we booked a flight to go back and his friends were worried because they were like they wanted to go back but the agency that they booked through was not letting them change their flights for like free mm-hmm. because they just like worried they were going to get stuck in China right. because mm-hmm. because at that point the rest of the world hadn't caught up with them yeah, 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 yeah. Right. so like, they didn't think of it as a big thing No. Mm-mm. so his friends were stressing out and they had to decide to like stay at the hotel that we were at for the, until they left um, so we were coming back to Darling, went to the airport and there was, wasn't that many people as you would expect. We get on the plane and then um, we're sitting down, we're in first class because the, they were cheap at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time ever and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, Can you drink some of that champers? Girl, I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> no one touch me, I don't want to drink nothing, I don't want to eat nothing. Um, the, the attendant was coming up to us. I don't remember her wearing a mask, to be honest. She was coming up to us, you know, like everything. Like, oh, do you want me to put up your coat? I was like, shit, I never experienced this shit when I was in economy. No one asked me <laughs> to take my fuck. I didn't even know this was a thing that they could take your coat. Yeah, yeah. please do. Right. I was yeah. like, yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Um, so she took out coats, whatever. We're sitting down. We were like freaking out about things. I was looking at my WeChat and people, uh, a couple of people were texting me. A guy from Canada and he was like, in Dali and he was like, how's it going i'm thinking about going back home our flight's still open i was like um i don't know probably work on the way back to dalian and then next thing you know a guy with a hazmat suit walks onto the plane Mm. as we're waiting to to leave walks onto the plane goes towards the back at this point i'm freaking out because i'm like what the fuck has someone got the virus what's going on because um, you don't expect to see anyone like just in a full hazmat suit just right. like wandering mm. around you know like and then you get on your plane and think uh Who's what's that? going like, on it's like is this an et situation going on here it was scary <laughs> i was freaking the fuck out um and then the person ended up leaving the hazmat suit person ended up leaving without anyone or whatever and i remember the attendant came to us and was like hi do you want some food i was like nope I'm good. I'm good. Um, and my friend was like thinking about eating it, and I looked at him like, "Are you fucking serious?" And then he ended up saying no. Um, so we get back to Dalian, and then obviously the whole quarantine thing started for us, like being stuck in the house for ages and whatnot. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of my opening towards that whole situation, how I kind of perceived it and how yeah. it all went down. How about you guys? Like, when did you find out about the virus and when did it become like real for you, Tracy? I don't know. Like for me, like uh, we went on vacation and stuff from like the 16th of Jan and I flew from Dali into Korea and in Korea it was like there was nothing there was like no like obviously it had been mentioned and spoke about but it hadn't reached Korea and all of still very much like China Central like based in China so I mean I was only in Seoul and Busan for I was only in Korea for a week and like everyone was walking around normal it was no like real awareness of what was happening really to be honest i mean like in the korean news and stuff it was being mentioned but it hadn't reached korea so it wasn't this major thing um but obviously you could see that some people were you could see it like walking around seoul a few like korean people were wearing masks and things like that but it wasn't major i mean in Korea, I lived I lived there for four years, so it was like people have worn masks right. before, yeah. so you don't think like this is because of COVID nineteen. And then like everything was fine, and and then I moved, I went from Korea to Myanmar in y- Yangon specifically, and there because you know it's very the country in itself is pretty rural, so everyone was just going about their day like it wasn't being taken seriously at all and I mean I was there for about a month before it actually started becoming reality there where you started hearing um, like flights my flights back during I was supposed to come back February 14th and I was gonna fly from Yangon to Korea and then Korea back to Dalian and my flights got cancelled and there was no way I could get a flight back to Dalian because it was either going to go through China and all the flights at that time had been cancelled completely entering China and exiting China so that I think was like the moment where I realised how serious this was was the fact that flights started getting cancelled entry into the country as well as exiting the country was not possible so i mean i was really lucky that i was staying with friends within that country but you know then it's kind of as as the time in in myanmar progressed it started to become more of a realization within the rest of southeast asia where you know getting to bangkok was getting more serious and um, flying anywhere within Southeast Asia was becoming more of like an issue. Flights were getting cancelled on the last minute. And at that point, like on the, I'd say the 12th of Feb, I was supposed to fly back on the 13th. My flight from Yangon to Korea was still possible, but my flight from Korea to Dalian was impossible. Mm-hmm. So at first I thought like maybe it was just like the airline or, you know, it was, you know, I would have to do maybe quarantine in Korea and things like that. But like nothing had been mentioned about any of that. And I started hearing from friends that were getting stuck within countries because they couldn't get back. And 
friends like yourself that were in China that couldn't leave China. And I think that was the definitely the pinnacle point of like me I'm not going back to China for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was like the the moment when I actually started stressing about how serious this was. And I started considering of going back home to South Africa. And, you know, at that time, in all fairness, I thought the safest place was Yangon, purely based on the fact there were no cases um, being recorded. Um, and it was still very free-flowing within the country. Mm. You know, like people, you could fly places within the country, you could fly out of the country. So at that point, I was like, the fact that this is still possible here, I felt like this was the safest place to be. Yeah. Um, obviously that eventually changed after being like two months in Myanmar where things started getting more intense where the government of within Myanmar started realizing that this is going to become a problem and slowly started shutting buses and slowly started shutting trains down and where if you were stationed in the city or in certain areas within Myanmar you couldn't leave that area Mm. and that's kind of when things in China started calming down and that's when I was able to finally make the decision of leaving because flying back to South Africa being such a long flight actually caused more risk of me getting COVID-19 and then obviously the numbers within South Africa were increasing Um, and at at that point I mean like now South Africa is on a complete lockdown and but at that point, it was still for citizens to get back into the country was possible. And I think for me, the biggest moment of realizing that China was not a safe place was when my government in South Africa like, sent out like a, a notice saying that any South African that is in China, the government will help you get out of the country. Mm-hmm. And... I was like mind blown by that because that for me was like, like, wow, the fact that government, our own government is now like starting to make these decisions decisions for the people that are living in China. That was like, fuck, this is like extreme. Like Mm -hmm. we need to seriously start taking this um, as like life threatening and we need to really like figure out our shit and be like, what is the best thing to do right now? Yeah. And at, at the end of the, I mean, both of you can agree with me is like, it's not just an easy decision to make. I mean, mm. so many factors play into it, you know, like money plays into it, your safety, Definitely. like the environment, like everything plays into it. You, yeah. you can lose your job. You can be put in a situation where no finances are coming through. And there are many people all over the world that are actually experiencing this. So I don't know. Um, those are the intense moments for me, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Jima? I think my experience is quite similar as well. Although we left um, China on the 23rd of January. But before that, we thought it was all kind of centered in Wuhan. You know, mm-hmm. this virus and the government was doing so much to keep it in Wuhan. So we kind of thought, oh, well, if it you know, if we go away, we're safer in a different country yeah. anyway. Yeah. So we went to Vietnam, which we booked already. Um, me and my husband and my three-year-old son. And our initial plan, go for 10 days, come back, 
have a few days off and then go back to work again. Mm. Um, so probably around the eighth day of our holiday, our flight was cancelled. You were in the... When we were in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. And our flight was cancelled and we thought, oh, right, well, and then work was saying, stay away. You know, if you're away, just stay away because it's safer for you and your family. Yeah, our school was saying the same thing. Yeah. So we were, because we were very close to Indonesia, we thought, oh, well, we'll go to Bali. We've always wanted to go there. So we went there for about a week. Um, everything was fine. You know, there was absolutely no talk about the virus or anything. And then we thought, right, like, we, need, we need to go back. China because we have to start work at some time and nobody knew what date we were going to go back to work it kept on moving but we thought well we need to kind of make our way back so we flew back to Vietnam and we decided we'd get an Airbnb and once we got to Vietnam and to the Airbnb uh, they were Uman and Anne about letting us use it because they made us fill out a form to say when did we leave China mm. and because it wasn't really like it was just over two weeks I think um, no that's not true sorry <laughs> <laughs> it was just over three weeks um, they were nearly not going to let us in because Vietnam had started becoming really really strict yeah. on people because I think at that time they might have had 16 cases yeah yeah um, but they obviously didn't want it growing anymore uh, but visas weren't allowed weren't giving weren't yeah. being able to be issued yeah that's the word no exactly and that's something else that we didn't really think about because when we flew back to Vietnam we didn't realize that you can't be there twice in 30 days without a visa yeah. So we weren't nearly allowed to fly, so we had to pay something like 300 US dollars to get a visa sure. to come back to Vietnam. Each? Each. No, just for all yeah. three of us. Okay. And then once we got to Vietnam, we kind of stayed there for a little while and thought, right, we'll get, we'll get back to China. But the only way we could do was to fly through Cambodia. So we had to fly to Cambodia um, and stay there for a while, but I know like, when we were in Cambodia, I was talking to the taxi driver and he was like, yeah, the virus won't touch us here. You know, it's too hot. It will be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, same in, the same in Myanmar. They were like, it's because of the weather. That's why oh there's God. no COVID-19. They're like, we're safe here because, you know, the weather is too hot for it to grow here. It's like, that's yeah. what they were saying. I was like, that's not oh, how it works. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But originally, we had booked our flight to go back through South Korea. But it was only when it was whenever everything, all the numbers were growing rapidly in South Korea. And we text our building manager and our landlord, who had said, if you come back through South Korea, you might not be allowed in, back into your apartment. So, um, and they said, like, it's not us, it's not our rules, it's not Chinese rules. But it's the residents that live in the apartment complex. Mm. And we thought, well, we would have taken the chance. It was just me and my husband. But it's going to be scary enough when we get off the plane for our son. And we don't want to put him through that. Right. So I think we spent an extra £1,500 to 
fly a different way. Um, yeah, went through Cambodia and then into Shanghai. But yeah, like Jersey was there as well. It's just the money is it's just... Crazy. It's just like, it was kind of scary when I was trying to book flights back to China and stuff of how how much the flights are getting more and more expensive and the stopovers are sc- like you think right when you book a flight the the cheaper the stopover like the longer the stopover is the cheaper the flight would be yeah but it was the opposite it was like the shorter the flight the sh- shorter the stopover is the less expensive the flights were because obviously you don't know how long like the process is right. through the mm-hmm. so that it's kind of like a, a way of them catching you it's like if your stopover is three hours and you have to go through the whole process of getting to getting like scanned and tested and done all those stuff and then you miss your flight you have to book another flight right. so yeah. it's like a way of like kind of making money of the situation yeah. and the companies weren't refunding the money right yeah. away they were like waiting maybe 30 days i mean i'm still waiting for refunds me too yeah but like you were saying, Natasha, about the man in the hazmat suit. I remember when we arrived in Shanghai, because obviously they sent people, they take your temperature when you get on the plane, mm. and then um, before you get off the plane, and I remember a man came in, they'd, they'd said over the radio that um, the people were coming in from the health department, or the what do you call it? The World Health Organization. Like no. the disease center or the, something? Yeah. yeah. The disease or quarantine or something department. And they'd come in and um, they'd gone to the back of the plane and they'd taken off a man and his wife. Taking them off. Taking them off. So. I got uh, panic mode. Yeah. <laughs> everybody like, was panicking. It's like, like. You know, everybody I'm was like. Yeah. Washing my hands left, right, so squirting. <laughs> everything around everyone was like clean up like, and everybody was like edges back on their seats and I'm like like if you haven't got it by night with this person being on the plane oh. <laughs> you know you're not gonna get it and we don't know what happened to him bless him I hope he was okay uh, I think he might have just had a high temperature and they you know they took him off yeah. him. Um, but I think you don't know and it's just such a scary thing because you also like if you've been in such a close area you know closed in area with someone for hours you're like an aircraft is literally the most it's covered in like germs man like like an an airplane has been tested to have the most germs so now just imagine you're in the space and now this is going around and it's understandable why people would because i remember going onto the airplane with just just wiping everything like the tables and everything that like my son was touching because I was just so worried about him yeah. probably more than, than us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a scary experience. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I don't know. For me, it was like, I'd never seen anyone in a hazmat suit other than watching like E.T. as a kid. Chernobyl. You know? <laughs> right. And that, like, you know, so it's like seeing before you even get on an, the airplane, like before you're going through your check-in and you, Literally seeing like citizens wearing like these hazmat suits with the goggles and the mask and like they're like all you can see is like this tiny little piece of their face which is essentially still covered with goggles and a mask. Yeah. You're yeah. like I'm like covered up enough. Like have I am um, am I being smart? Like should I have been wearing gloves? Like what is gloves and gloves? Because I know in our flight as well there were people wearing like goggles, gloves, yeah. face masks, everything. 
And like coming from a country where people don't really wear face masks, it's Not just allowed, yeah. 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 yeah, I think here, I think you know what it is about China is that they're all they're so used to wearing those kind of masks if they're feeling if they're not feeling well or whatever yeah because of pollution right so i feel like all that and the way that the system and the culture is here that's why i feel like their quarantining wasn't so like crazy Mm because you know when we were all looking at the media and the news back home like everyone's fucking buying buying toilet paper and panic buying and shit yeah, like, like running like, in stores and literally it's like fighting you each know, other. The fucking toilet paper. Going What's on, toilet yeah. paper gonna do for you? That's the you know that's the craziest thing that I can't like, 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 unless they're really thinking they're gonna get really bad diarrhea. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it's not even a symptom, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, the no, it's not, but I guess it's all going to shit. So they were like, yeah, quickly buy up. But when I was thinking on the news, what really upset me was like people were both buying. Like essentials, like for children, like nappies and yes. formula, which was awful because some parents couldn't go out and get those things for their child, which is really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. I think the way that the West have kind of um, handled the news has been way different than China. Although there, there, are, there are some similarities in terms of like uh, jobs being affected and like not mm-hmm. being able to maybe see your friends and stuff. Although here. Like the like, like if we talk about like now the quarantine like things because I was here the whole time and what I the way that things were at the beginning was that everyone stay in your apartment but you can still go out like that's the thing because everyone's wearing a mask so there's no like oh socially distance yeah. I never had anyone or the government tell us oh stay two meters apart or anything like that everyone has a mask so you can still go out go to the store um, although like the first week I remember going to Metro and there was like the uh, canned goods though most of them were pretty much gone still it's yeah. still gone no the next time i went back like a week or so later they were stocked up oh well i went literally a couple of days ago after getting out of my two-week quarantine mm. it's absolutely nothing but maybe that could be because of the export thing cause yeah they get yeah. oh yeah yeah from, yeah because yeah 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 getting those things from outside so maybe they're yeah. not able to get those things so yeah. now they're gone um, metro is like one of the main international Supermarkets, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a Costco or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, so that's one of the things that um I noticed. Obviously, everyone's wearing the mask. Um, people had to have like these special blue cards or purple, whatever it is, that every complex. So, in China, we don't have like houses like back home where you're standing on your own. You're in apartments, and in within those apartment blocks, there's a gate and there's a security guard or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a special card to get out and come back in. So you have to show them and then use your keys and get in or whatever. And um, some one of my friends, um, her complex, they were only allowed to leave every two days. So you couldn't. I was like, what? That's crazy. So yeah. now you're even more restricted than the restriction that we already have. Um, but I'll have to say it wasn't too bad because I was like living with someone so that wasn't so bad I don't know how it was for other people and obviously we heard about like the test or not the test the like what do you call it the thing that was the poll that was done to find that like a certain percentage of like Chinese couples got divorced oh yeah I was like jeez like it's, exactly. it's it's intense you know i don't know i definitely think like the whole like quarantine situation has gotten more more intense more like 
the world is kind of essentially woken up by it. Yeah. Like, I was really worried, like, at first I was, you know, really stressed about coming back into China. Just, like, how, you know, not being able to speak the language, not being able to, like, like understand, essentially, if someone was speaking to me in Chinese, like, not being able to understand what's going on. And, like... Uh, so, let's, let's, yeah. let's go back to, like, what date did you... Like, when you were coming back into China, when did you make that decision? And, like, what date did you come back in and tell us that whole process? Okay, so, um, I would say that I, I honestly was very skeptical skeptical about coming back, essentially. Um, having, like, family members that were really stressed about me going back to China. It was, like, like not to sound like, you know like a fuck up here or a, a dickhead but like basically it's like you feel like you're going back into like where essentially it happened like kind of like the war zone mm. you know you're going back to where it originally started so it's like why would you go back to the place that it all started mm-hmm. and you know when obviously like the media and everything is like like dramatizes everything so it's like people like my parents and stuff who are in the states and in, in south africa are only seeing like and hearing the bad things mm-hmm. so they're immediately yeah. panicking so at first i wanted to come back like a month ago um like march and it was just like my family really didn't want me to come back and i fully understood from their perspective and then obviously like i got like notifications from work saying like these are the things that could happen to you while coming back and that was like an added stress you know like the the procedures of how it like all sounded was pretty sounded pretty invasive yeah and like you know just scary as hell and that was like the biggest stress of me coming back so when i decided to come back it was kind of like a last minute decision because I was like, this is kind of like the best time to come back. Like, yeah. Myanmar in itself, the country was slowly shutting down. And I was like, it's either go back to China where you'll do your two-week quarantine and then be in your own space mm-hmm. rather than be in a country where you don't have a home kind of thing. Yeah. So when I decided to come back, which was the... I arrived in Dalian the 23rd of March yeah 23rd March and to be fair you know like a lot of people that had gone through the process before me made it sound a lot scarier than what it was Mm. so my flight was from Yangon Myanmar to Shanghai and then Shanghai to Dalian and my boss had told had recommended to me that I should have a stopover in Shanghai for at least three hours. So my stopover originally was three and a half hours. And I mean, I you know, you walk you go to the airport, you're wearing a mask, you're wearing gloves, you follow the rules and you just like kind of like go with it. Mm-hmm. On the aircraft we didn't get any food, like at all, like no food. Mm-hmm. We got water. That was it. Um, I mean, the flight to Shanghai was only four hours. So, I mean, it's not like a drastic thing if yeah. you don't get food, right? Yeah. And then got to Shanghai and it was literally like 
roadblock after roadblock of like being constantly tested. So it's like at first you are like a person, like two people on a hazmat suit come onto the aircraft, they announce names and it was like three people at a time that need to get off the aircraft like three at a time. And then as you're leaving the aircraft, you get your temperature tested. And then eventually when everyone is off the aircraft, which you still haven't, you're still by the door of the airplane. Mm. Then they escort you. Normally, you know, you go through like a tunnel and then yeah. you're in the air, airport. Mm. Like here we had to actually go outside onto a bus, but the bus only, they only allowed five people on the bus at a time. Mm. But in all fairness, my flight only had 30 people. Mm. Normally, you know, it's like 120 yeah. or whatever. 30 people. So they they were like 10 people at a time on the bus. They get taken to the airport. We have to go through like check after check after check after check. Then you have to go through um, pa like passport control. Then from passport control, you get put into another section with only five people. They check you again. Then they like they check your tickets. You're constantly having to write down like your where where you sat on the airplane. What was your airplane num like your flight number? Um, where are you going? People that are like staying in Shanghai get separated from you because they have to quarantine. And then people that are you have their transfers have to be separated again. And then they look at your flight. And for me, it was like I had no time basically yeah. you're like you need to get a new flight mm -hmm. but it the for me it was actually just a, a lovely experience in all fairness like i was mind blown because it seems like because of the intensity the whole time that was happening everyone is when i was in shanghai and dalian like everyone was extremely kind extremely helpful extremely patient was you know like understanding that i didn't speak chinese that had people that were translators all the time going around everywhere i never felt stressed i never felt worried i never felt like i was doing something wrong yeah you know it was really calm and that made me calm because it didn't feel like intense like oh my word i'm going to prison type situation you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly like i mean you're literally walking through barrier of barrier and you're constantly stressing like temperature up like oh my god <laughs> what if what if everything yeah you just and, but the whole experience was amazing like they booked me onto a different flight they put like got my bags they helped me get through like domestic um like everything it was just yeah. like such a breeze i literally i think the whole from the minute i got off the plane to i got onto my next plane which was five and a half hours later I think I said like three words and it was just like, okay, I'm following you. Yeah. And it was fine. Yeah. And then got into Dalian, kind of the same thing, a lot less intense because air, like airport is obviously a lot smaller. Yeah. But again, there were translators, there were people that were willing to help. And I mean, just the process of getting to my apartment was the... God, that was a thing. That was like a fucking shitstorm of... I had um, I had Trace's but. keys and she told me I'm arriving on Monday, right? Mm. And she was like, meet me at my place or whatever. And she was like, I want some food, I'm hungry or whatever. So I got to McDonald's 
Yeah, because I mean, I hadn't eaten since the day before. Right. So I went to mm-hmm. her place, um, to her apartment, and then I was trying to talk to the security guard and translate, hey, my friend is about to come. She's coming from the airport. There's people bringing her, and she wants some food. Lisa had keys, kind of give them to you to like hold, give them to her, give it to her. And they didn't quite understand. And thankfully, there was another uh, Chinese girl who understood a bit of English. So she was trying to translate and tell them what I was saying. And they were like, uh, da, 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 like saying a bunch of stuff, and then eventually they were like, "You're gonna have to go through a different um, entrance right. to, and then put the food and the keys in this elevator that had like a sandbag or whatever in the middle, so the elevator wasn't closing." So they were like, "Leave that there, and then when she comes, she can whatever." So I put it in there, and I was felt nervous about it, so I decided to wait outside to wait for Tracy to come. And then I was waiting, I was trying to call her because they were asking me, when's your friend coming, when's your friend coming? And I was like, just wait, wait, wait. Mm. Um, so I tr- kept trying to call Tracy, obviously she was trying to sort out things from her side. And then I get a call from her, and she's like, oh, my landlord's not letting me back in. And obviously I think at that point you're, um, you're over your contract, were you? No. No? No, I had paid for an extra month. Yeah, that's crazy. And See, I thought yeah. I thought that your contract ended. No, and that was crazy. So, but thankfully for you, before you left for your holiday, yeah, you had, she had signed another contract for, for my new apartment. For a yeah. new apartment. Um, I was really lucky. Like I had done that. Really you lucky. were very lucky because they literally, you know, like being a foreigner coming back, like you have three options, which is like a hundred dollar. 350 and 500 but at the airport you didn't get the hundred dollar off a hundred dollars sorry 100 rmb option that was only for chinese citizens and then 350 rmb a day only breakfast no three meals included you had to pay extra for that and 500 and that was the same thing it was just like basically the difference was the 500 you got a sea view and 350 you were like downtown in the middle of nowhere like and mm. it was just yeah and like but the worst part was i was already on the airport bus mm-hmm. heading to my my apartment and the my landlord had contacted the government instead of me to say that which is understandable because you you know like when you don't speak english it's it's fine and also you have to go through all these like process of talking to the government owning an apartment but instead of talking to me and telling me that i can't do my quarantine there he had just informed the government so on my way to my apartment the quarantine person that was working on the bus verbalized to me that i can't go to my apartment so like midway through me getting to my apartment and it was just like it was just like immediately going to this panic like oh my word like what am i going to do how am i going to deal with this my new apartment community isn't aware that i'm coming my old community is you know like they're prepared for me to arrive but luckily you know like natasha you having like my keys and things like that was able to like help me and you know luckily my landlord at my new apartment was just so lovely and like really made things happen with literally in an hour it was it was yeah. crazy like informed the government told the community got like the quarantine people here like checked my apartment that no one was living in my apartment like did it all literally within an hour i was like mind blown yeah cool. 
It was just like, go, 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 go. Okay, it's sorted. You can move to your new apartment. I'm sure you were so relieved as well. I was, wow. because it was that or I was going to pay like an arm and a leg to be in this shitstorm of a hotel room yeah. that like basically 400 RMB a day yeah. to stay there. That was that was a crazy thing because I was getting McDonald's, going to her yeah. place, and then I had to go do you know check on some visa stuff at the mm-hmm. time, and then I went home to eat my McDonald's and in the middle of my and there I'm like I need you to be there <laughs> now. She's like go like, John, <laughs> you need my key. And then I like ran out, um, oh. and I met John. Yeah. And then we were waiting for you, so we were talking like, "Oh, this is all crazy, whatever." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Tracy, Tracy's car, or whatever bus comes comes up, and then I was like, "Shit, this is." It was surreal. just like everyone was like in this panic. It was crazy. Was, like I couldn't, like Natasha was holding my McDonald's as well as my keys. Yeah. Like wasn't allowed to actually touch her. She had to like we, leave it on the table. We couldn't give it to her. We couldn't give yeah. it to the guy. He was like put it on the table. So we, we put the stuff on like the table. hands up, like don't touch right. at all. Like yeah. it it was so it was so surreal. I remember me and John being like we should have taken a video of this whole situation because it was nuts. So I mean, like, even when I walked into the community, they literally made people run away from me. <laughs> I was like what is going on like are you kidding me right now like yeah. i was literally like this alien walking in here and everyone was like run and i was like <laughs> oh my god what i'm 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 healthy i promise you know like you're like i'm not saying yeah like come on this is ridiculous but it's literally like i was like this like creature walking in here that I was gonna murder everyone that was it was insane yeah. it was and that was the most stressful part of like coming back. Like both airport situations, everything was calm until I got to where my apartment was, and it was just like, yeah, yeah. But, but then it got stress. But then it all got a bit weird because then later on I found out that you were in a hotel. You were moved from your apartment to yeah. your hotel. How did that happen? How many days after when you were, oh, when you got here? On my eighth day of quarantine in my apartment. So like I had been informed like before coming back to China because my friend had come back and um, he came back from the UK and he had he got escorted to his apartment just like I did. And what happened was that they stationed a camera outside of his door. Um, and like when I arrived, like nothing, none of that happened for like two days. And then I got a message from my community saying this was happening. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I totally understand. And basically like the camera was like drilled into like the roof, just like outside my door. So all I could do was like open my door, get the takeout. And that was also another amazing thing. It was like my community was so organized that you ordered food, you ordered anything. You just send a message to a person that is allocated to you and they bring the food and anything That's to your cool. door. Mm-hmm. So even like if you have trash, you leave it out to the door, you message them, I have left trash. They come and collect it like later on. Yeah. But basically, a camera was like put outside my door to make sure that I wasn't leaving my apartment. <coughs> mm. Which is like a, another thing that's like I totally understand it because you have to do a full on intense quarantine here. Mm. Where mm. I feel like the rest of the world is like 
do social distancing, stay at home, mm. and, like, you're allowed to go to the shops, but, like, don't stay too long. It's, like, like China really took, like, the upper hand of, like, of controlling the situation. To mm-hmm. be fair, though, like, if you think about it, like, back home, there's not that many apartments. So, yeah, like, true. are you supposed to put, like, a camera on every exactly. fucking house? Yeah, it's, like, and, I mean, so. coming from South Africa, it's not, like, we can fucking afford that shit, bro. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a lot. It's you're paying for that camera yourself, right? Yeah. And it's like people want to do yourself. Like, it's not happening. No, come on. Like, and I'm pretty sure we don't have that much cameras, like, up in that country. Yeah, it's easy to <laughs> yeah, do it like here. China, there's cameras fucking everywhere. Yeah, flashing lights all day. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know, I think like we we had a very similar experience. Like coming in the Dalian airport as well. Because like, I remember you had to fill out a form with your address. And obviously I know our address in English, but I have no idea how to write it in Chinese. So I, was, I went up to like the man who was standing around in his hazmat suit and I was like, I don't know how to do this. What and do you he, know? Was, he was so yeah. kind. I showed him like my Chinese address on the phone. He was like, it's good. You know, I like did it I'll all for it. me. It was so nice. But like we had to like keep on reminding our son because we hadn't wore masks like the whole time Seriously? we were away. Yeah, because there was no need. Because there was not like there was no threat really. Same and, in Myanmar. Like, no, yeah. I mean like when you were coming back. Did you uh, masks? So in we we tried hit we did but we tried him on the plane, and he was just not having it. But so we said you know. When we get back to China, you need to wear your mask because people are getting sick and you don't want to get sick because you don't want to have to go to the doctor. Yeah. But you also don't want to scare a three-year-old. Yeah. Like, that's the scary part. And we tried like saying, oh, you know, like, and I showed him like a picture of people wearing like hazmat suits. It's and, like, cool now. I was yeah. like laughing about it going, look at these funny men all like yeah, dressed up. <laughs> we just laugh at them and stuff like that. So he wasn't too scared about that. I remember getting to, once we got through everything and we were waiting for a taxi actually because we were able just to get a taxi because we came back earlier before you did Tracy and um, and we didn't come from an inf- like a grossly inf- infected country yeah. so once they looked at, because you had to fill in what countries you've been to and once they looked they were like oh yeah that's fine you can go on. Um, but I remember that because we were saying to our son, you know, we have to get in a taxi now. You need to wear your mask and the man will not let you on it. And at the same time, I think it was a cleaner in the airport started shouting at him for not wearing a mask. Your was, son? Yeah, in Chinese. And he did not know what was what was going on. Right. Uh, literally, yeah, we got the taxi back and the building management knew we were coming back. Mm. So... So that's interesting that you got a taxi back. Yeah, we were. I got escorted. But at that stage, it was only people coming back from South Korea and Japan who were getting escorted. It's that's the crazy thing of like it's literally like a week difference and how things have changed in one week. Exactly, and even now, like how ridiculous it is. It is now even. But yeah, so we got there and remember that like. They spread our suitcases with something. We didn't know what it was. And my husband, he like the security men and stuff were and the men in hazmat suits were take gonna take the suitcase up. But like my husband seemed being like so big and stuff as he is, he was like, I don't wanna see them struggling, you know, I'll take up a suitcase. <laughs> and then 
we got inside. Meanwhile, someone was spraying everywhere we walked. You know, yeah, in I case mean, we were spreading the virus. Spraying the air. Even. Yeah. It's like that's not going to do anything. <laughs> and uh, we got okay. a, we got towards where the lift is, and I remember my husband looking down at his shorts, and he was so annoyed because it turned like, like white, because they'd been spraying bleach oh, on the suitcases and stuff. And he was so annoyed, I was like, don't worry, just get to the apartment, because by that stage you were like, just get in. We already had mentally prepared ourselves for our quarantine. Like, we knew that we had to be in there for two weeks. So, mentally prepared ourselves, it was fine. And he was going on about this bleach. I'm like, just leave it. <laughs> we will, we'll get up, we'll get in. Um, and then we got in, we ordered shopping, and they were so nice. Like, they delivered the shopping straight away to the door. They knocked on the door. Um... And there was so much shopping that the man brought them brought it in for us as well. So it was really kind. But it was very strange because as time went on, um, we were like saying, oh, because they, they promised us that we would get our delivery at three every day. So we could only get one delivery a day. Mm. And um, we were ordering stuff and like frozen things and stuff that you don't want left outside and yeah. um and it was getting by towards the end of our quarantine it was getting towards five half five before anything was delivered mm. so i started ordering it later you know hoping but then at that day they were like where's your like do you have anything we can't wait for it <laughs> we were like well we don't really know what to do and we were leaving trash outside our apartment that had been there for three days oh, and no one was picking it up um so we kind of had i actually got a friend to ring our landlord um because he doesn't speak any english um and he lives in korea as well and he rang them and was like you need to do this you know he was so nice about the whole thing um and then and also when we were getting food delivery everything smelled of bleach so they were spraying like all the bags and things and i remember getting like bread which was like not really completely wrapped because it was like a French stick. A French one. And I just ended up having to throw it in the bin because I was like, I don't even know if I can eat this now. Right. Um, and then we were told towards the end of our quarantine, so we kept asking questions because like you said before, Natasha, about some of your friends were allowed out once every two days and things like that. And we heard that as well. And we were asking the management, like, when we finish quarantine, you know, can we go out together? Because it used to be like one person per household could go out. In some like, places, yeah. In some places as well. And they're like, yeah, you can go out. And we were saying, because I'd known one of my friends had to go for a test um, to see if she had vi the virus. But we didn't know whether it was people coming from Japan and South Korea. And then we kept asking, they're like, no, no test. And then another person was like, yes, you do have to have a, do a test. And we didn't know there was communication. The communication, like, yeah. so much miscommunication. And we were like, we don't mind doing it, but can you just tell us? Because we're teaching online at the same time, and we need to tell the children that we're teaching that we're not going to be able to teach them if we have to go and do this. Yeah. So two days before, yeah, we found that we we had to go to for a test. That was fine. They told us they'd pick us up and went to leave the apartment. So somebody came to our door, um, like spread our door, spread the ground that we walked on again, <laughs> the way out. And we were waiting for the bus for ages. 
But I remember while we were waiting, there were some people waiting for a taxi and the building management had said, don't go away, like, to them. Like, <laughs> get away from the I go on and wake up. Um, yeah, and then we got on a bus with, like, a few other people who were picked up during the leg, got tested, got back. And then, I don't know whether we were supposed to leave till the day after, but they were so nice in our building because obviously they understood that we have a child and he's been inside for 14 days straight and they came off like kind of after we got the test results and they were like here they go and here's your cards so that you can go outside and oh, we were sure. like oh thank you so much like the whole time they, they were so lovely like yeah. i couldn't fault them whatsoever um and then everybody like kind of slowly went back to yeah you know we haven't had any issues in our apartment complex or anything people have been so kind and yeah yeah, it's it's been great I don't know it was like for me it was like I did I was like on my eighth day and like like I said I had a camera and everything and then I went for a test on the test on the Monday which was on the seventh day so I was in quarantine for seven days in my apartment and then that afternoon, I get told I need to go do my test. Right. When I got when I got my test done, next morning I got informed that it was negative. But then that afternoon, no, that morning, like literally an hour after I got my test results, they were like, "You need to go into hotel quarantine." And I was like, sure. "What? What do you mean? I've been like inside. You you've got a camera outside my door. Like, why do I need to do this?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, anyone that entered the country from the 20th of March has to go into hotel quarantine. And I was like, well, I arrived on the 23rd. How was I only told this a week into my quarantine that I need to do this? And it was just like, no one was communicating as to why I had to do this. Basically, what was stipulated was that it was a new government policy that had passed. For anyone coming back into China from this specific date, had to go into quarantine, like hotel quarantine. And like, obviously the first question I asked was like, do I need to pay for this? They were like, yes, you have three options. And I was like, okay, what are the options? Like I previously said, it was 100, 350 and 500. So like I got told that the 100 RMB was literally like no shower, you have a sink and a squatter toilet, and it's base and a single like shitty bed, like no no space basically, and I was like fuck that like I'd rather pay three fifty. It's only for a week, even though I was like damn that's a lot of money you know like yeah. shit. That's but, rent for a month. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. and and they and then I was like what about the food situation? You know at the airport then they told me that I only get breakfast. But then I was told that it's three meals a day. So I was like, okay, at least food is included type vibe. Mm. So I did it and I got moved and I had to do seven days within hotel quarantine. Did a blood test at the hotel, then did another test on the Monday that I was supposed to leave. So everyone, like a few people got tested in the morning or the day before and got released on their 14th day. I was unfortunately not that lucky 
Was it because you had people coming from Wuhan into your... Yeah, so I didn't even know that. So, mm. like, what happened was, did the test on the Monday. I was, they said, you'll do the test, and in the afternoon, you'll get the results, and you'll be able to leave. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool, let's go. I'm excited to leave, like, even if it's, like, 5 o'clock, I was like today's the day i'm gonna be free yeah because we don't plan like exactly. a big party and, <laughs> and i was like yes i get to see people yeah. and then like they as the day progressed they were like no results coming through no results coming through no results coming through you're only going to be released tomorrow so i was like okay so 18th day of quarantine i was like cool today's the day i'm going to be able to be released they informed me at about like 12 o'clock so I was like, sweet, this is going to be cool. At least I'll have, like, the day to roam around. And, you know, like, mentally, you're like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. today I get to be free. The last you know? few days feel so slow. Don't oh, my word, so slow. <laughs> and just, like, 12 o'clock came, and the hotel was like, we had no results. You can't be released. And then, obviously, you know, you become that nagging person. You're yeah. like, where are my test results and you know eventually I find out that a whole bunch of people from Wuhan where this all started had to get tested in Dali like over a hundred people got tested on the Monday the same day I got tested Mm. and that's why it was taking so long so eventually I only got released at 11 p.m. on Tuesday Mm. like on the 18th like there were and what was even more annoying was that they were wanting to charge me for an extra day and I was like motherfucker this is not happening you are making me stick here for another night when I should have been released yesterday this is unacceptable like eventually I was like fuck this I'm putting my foot down Yeah. but I was released and everything was fine but it was just like going from your own space to being put into a serious quarantine situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, the apartment, the hotel was nice, but it was like intense. Like you had to give your temperature three times a day. If you didn't give your temperature, they were like knocking on your door. They were gonna do it themselves. Like, and I mean, my blood test, it? they, my blood test, they called me at 10 p.m. I was already sleeping. Yeah. They called me at 10 p.m. Like odd hours they were like the one of the Chinese females that I went and did this with like Mm -hmm. she was absolutely lovely and was like really helpful with translation and everything like that they called her at 1am to do a blood test like it was like ridiculous hours it was like you had literally all day to do this yeah because obviously you know they've zoned it like this is the place like and they have people that are allocated for these areas mm. and they're calling people at 1am i was like mind blown but freedom is great